0: Forum
1: Borealis
0: Paradigm Expansion
1: Greetings from the North and welcome to Forum Borealis First episode in our new health series with Dr. Robin Falkov Her CV is simply too extensive for us to cover appropriately in this introduction, so we shall eventually put up Her details at the presentation page of our website. For now, you should know that she's the president of Health Freedom Rights Incorporated, been a homeopathic physician for over 25 years, and is a diplomat of the National Board of Homeopathic Examiners. She has a doctorate degree in Oriental Medicine, fully trained in traditional Chinese and herbal medicine and has also specialized in acupuncture injection therapy, mesotherapy, nutritional therapies, diet and lifestyle review. Her comprehensive work with vibrational medicine has paved the way for research into lead technology, biophotons and light therapy that has proven so effective and compelling that she's currently completing research for a book on this groundbreaking area. Furthermore, Dr. Falco is a well-known health, freedom, rights, educator, public speaker, producer of health segments for classes, conferences, seminars, documentary and television, radio shows, podcasts, etc. She also has credentials in other areas, like being a gold and silversmith, jewelry designer, member of Screen Actors Guild... ...having 19 years of classical ballet training and performance... ...notwithstanding her being a veteran in radio... ...having hosted many different programs... ...nowadays you can hear her as a regular host in Freedom Slips... ...and also at Bell's new channel Event Horizon... ...where her famous partner and NASA expert Richard Hoagland is a regular host. We, we shall put up outlinks for all of this... We really hope you will follow us down this new avenue we are going to explore today and in future programs with different health experts on specific health subjects. Today, the agenda is more generalist with emphasis on freedom of health rights, but the show is twofold also in contents. While we discuss health freedom throughout, we start with more down-to-earth questions, such as the history and politics of the sickness industry, and also positive stuff like various tip-offs for you on how to improve nutrition and other useful health-related advices. Whereas in part two, we get more technical and philosophical, examining cutting-edge science as well as ancient lore on such topics as the anatomy of life force, body and consciousness, as well as energy, vibration and waves in regard to the structure of vitality, matter and health. So, eat hearty. Welcome to the forum, Robin.
0: Thank you, Al. It's a pleasure to be here with you.
1: And it's such a pleasure to have you with us. This is our first program, actually, in our new series about health. And we bumped that up uh, because of uh, our booking with you. It was uh, my Twitter guy. He got in communication with you and uh, then we thought, OK, let's just do it now. And also, you were supposed to be the first woman on our show because we're relatively fresh. Ah, yeah, but someone else beat you to it. So,
0: <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I'm glad that you're having more women. I didn't. I didn't even. I don't even think about that anymore.
1: <laughs> no, but I understand you've been at it for years. But we're we're relatively new, mm-hmm. and in the short time we've um, been doing this thing. Uh, we've had uh, a, a huge boost in listeners, especially in America. And we now have. Uh, I think actually Americans now are the majority. I think they're 55 percent of our listeners. So. So a lot Ooh. of our listeners will know you very well. But um, for those who don't know you and who heard now in the introduction about uh, where you're coming from, you're the, you are the perfect guest to begin this health series with. And today I was thinking we could talk about something which is very close to my heart, which is freedom in health. Okay. And I also wanna, I also want you to educate us a little about Alternative medicine, especially homeopathy, which <laughs> which you are a very central person there. Okay, but tell me, Robin, are you also an acupuncturist?
0: Yes, uh, I'm an Oriental medical doctor. I'm training in acupuncture, in herbs, and massage, uh, Chinese styles of nutrition, and I went to get my degree to be licensed in oriental medicine because it was one of the most comprehensive programs that included homeopathy and nutritional counseling things I had done for years before yeah. and as a interesting uh, aside the people who introduced me to homeopathy probably in 1980 they're the ones that later opened the acupuncture school and mm. it, you know it's just a funny setting up of events that I tried a homeopathic remedy because my my neighbor recommended it and I didn't have any results from western medicine hmm. and I had already been using nutritional supplements and herbs for years and when I tried the homeopathic remedy I was shocked It was an inflammation of my vocal cords, and the antibiotics didn't get rid of it. And here I am finding my throat feels better. I'm not having any issues uh, talking comfortably, but I wasn't tired. There wasn't any kind of side effect like you find with some of the uh, cold medications where your eyes get itchy or your mouth is dry. And the only side effect was feeling better. And I thought, well, this is really something. I've got to learn more about it. And that set me off on a maniac path. Um, And then in order to be part of the conversation, I went to school. I went back to school to get my degree because I had shared a homeopathic remedy with a Western medical doctor. And he was using it for his patients at a very big hospital in Miami. And they were very upset when he was asked, why was he using this? And he said that he had uh, a friend that used this treatment uh, when working with others. And they said, well, you know, what was the person's background? What was their degree? Mm. And he got so much aggravation because of it. I thought, okay, you know, that's it. Because I want to be involved because I know how much I can achieve. So that had me do a three, a four year program in three years time. And that was discontinued. It was the last time ever because only almost, almost not even 20% of the class completed the program. It was so hard. So, so that's but, that's Taoistic medicine, too? Um, I, you know, Chinese medicine, there could be subtleties about yeah. um, a Taoistic way or, yeah. or, you know, a path with Buddha. It's not that traditional Chinese medicine is obviously not about that intense or innate respect for life. And living beings and other creatures, because I, I was grateful. At my school, we had a full herbal pharmacy, except we didn't have bears' penises or bile. That they had a a, a constant uh, shunt in the in the gallbladder of a bear of a bear to take out their bile, uh, so they didn't use the animal products. But we had. Probably some of the, you know, moldy worms and the other things like that Mm. and lots of berries and and great stuff like that that everybody would eat while they'd be making formulas in the pharmacy. Right, hmm. but yeah, it's it's you know the the Chinese have a very different regard for life, I guess, because they have such a big population. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, let's begin with.
1: Um, I, I want to tell you what you already know, and that is that in Europe we are seeing a huge decline in health freedom. It's like I don't know where it came from, but it's like a new wave washing over us where the corporation seems to screw tight their grip and uh, you know freedom loving countries are uh, getting more and more fascist in my view Uh, we see this in of course in vaccine questions in the ability to choose uh, our own medicine like uh, in norway Now they're classifying all sorts of natural uh, remedies as um, in a way that we can't import it anymore. Everything is now medicine, so it has to go through the pharmacy companies. Is it the same condition over there in America, or how is it in the land of the free?
0: (laughs) The land of the free is a a distant memory, Al. Yeah. You know, I I just look at the erosion of rights in this country. It's mind-blowing. And there are events that have captured people's attention around the world with what's going on in Oregon and the police brutality uh, in this country. And when it comes to health, the insanity that they could have actually passed a law in California making vaccinations mandatory for children is, is mind-boggling, and the ability to opt out is so mercurial because what you have is some paper pusher in an office that might have to look at the health information for yourself or your child to determine if you qualify for a medical exemption. They have no background. Mm. And those very important criteria that were always at the forefront <clears> – <throat> They've kind of been pushed aside, and uh, if you want to get into that further, you know, or save that for another time, it's just these erosions of our rights, not informing people, and the control of media. How how is it in Norway? How is your media? Um,
1: Because we're such a small country, it's a little harder to – it's not as corrupt as in America, but uh, I'll tell you, since 2000, you know, everything began. Seriously, the end game began in 2001 when it comes to media. But in, I think from 2008-9, it was very obvious that uh, our media started to decline too. So it's not as bad as in America, but when it comes to certain matters like, let's say, vaccines, or alternative medicine, etc., it's completely corrupt. It's almost as if we're asking them to cover UFO cases. That's how they (laughs) kind of treat
0: these things now. And it didn't used to be like this. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. I I know I was shocked after all of the amazing news that came out of Iceland with how they treated the banks and threw them out, and they're locking people up, and then... Vaccinations are mandatory in Iceland, and I thought, oh no! For here, I thought there's a place somebody can go to.
1: I didn't know that, but I'll tell you, our Icelandic brethren are much more libertarian in, in most senses than Norway. Our problem in Norway is the oil, and we we are different from Sweden, Denmark, Finland, and uh, Iceland because we're like a, you know, these little oil estates in the Gulf. We're kind of the Scandinavian version, so we don't. We, we only have artificial problems, <laughs> quote-unquote.
0: Oh, <laughs> so, gosh, that's, that's quite a stick. We
1: could be a paradise, <sighs> but we're not. So, materially speaking, it's okay, but not when it comes to this matter, for instance, freedom of health. Health choices here are still protected by law, but they're trying to, to change the law, and they've been trying to get us into the European Union. That's another thing that we have in common with Iceland, that we're still a little independent. But uh, then they launched this Codex, what's it called?
0: Codex Alimentarius Commission.
1: Yeah, this Latin title. Yes. So, uh, where the deuce did that come from?
0: That came from uh, 1962. The World Health Organization um, put forth the Codex Alimentarius Commission to... Standardize safety levels for food and it grew later to include supplements and the standardization uh, was further explained as time went on as what would be needed to raise the level of living in third world countries Mm. and they neglected to tell people that On the other side, you know, there's that karmic balance. Well, it hit all too readily because the standards that had been so hard fought for to raise the levels for your supplements, for your food quality, have been eaten away. They're Mm -hmm. disappearing. You have GMO foods rampant here. You have foods in the United States uh, where people do not have the choices And you have the European Union and other European countries that have refused importation. But if they get the trade treaties passed, those refusals become a denial of trade. So it's a real tangled web of how they're going to sew you up and put a bow on top with all your power gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Russia,
1: you could say a lot of critical stuff about Russia, but when it comes to GMO, I I really admire their position there.
0: I find a lot of really good things to say about Russia, Mm. from GMOs to so much more. And the lies and vilification I find reprehensible here in the United States trying to start a war. And I, I think Putin has been outstanding when you hear some of his live broadcasts. And, you know, the translation. And
1: yeah, now you're talking about foreign policy. I, I was thinking internally. Uh, okay. There are much to criticize Russia for internally, but if you're going to compare, I, I wouldn't throw the first stone on them. <laughs> <laughs> to be sure. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: And, and they're, they're very healthy position on these things. I think it's great, but, um, When it comes to, again, when it comes to Norway, we are not a part of the European Union, so we fortunately have a very good consumer protection law, so... Uh, first of all, it's forbidden to to push GMO in Norway. Per today, uh, they they have tried for at least ten years to to do something about that. But in addition, we can know everything. You know, all artificial shit that they put in our know, food, in uh, remedies and anything. Even if you get medicine, you have to know everything about. Uh, uh, we call it by effect. Uh, what, what's mm-hmm. the word? in Side effects. Side effects. Yeah. Sure. Simple. So I think the information part. Is great because uh, me personally, I'm not against people eating themselves to death uh, with eating (laughs) shit. I mean, that's their choice, but they should know that's what they're doing.
0: Huh. Are we twins separated at birth, Alan? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you, me, and probably everybody who's listening. So,
0: <laughs> Oh, this is too funny. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. It's not funny, but it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yes, freedom of choice, freedom to be informed and make up your mind. Uh, can you imagine the FDA was cracking down some years back. I I've, I've been working with the Life Extension Foundation. They began in Florida and I was I was living there at a time at the time yeah. and they have a great line of supplements. lef.org is a great research source where you can go for free to look up different conditions and uses and applications of supplements while you still may before <laughs> they take it <laughs> away. Yeah. But would you believe the FDA went after them for saying that cherries can help with gout, can help with pain, can help you fall asleep easier because of the levels of melatonin. They said it was being compared to a drug. They came up against reports on life extension about prunes being used. For regularity, something that you saw commercials on television, you know, for years and years. They came up against walnuts, enhancing malfunction, uh, brain activity, so many foods that there was a case brought by the statin drug companies about red yeast rice. And the judge who was hearing the case when they were saying, Well, this is used in our statin drugs, they're by prescription only. So it's like what we can't, we can't, you know, so now you want to take away food. What are you going to do next? Take away water? Mm. You know, it, it just is out of control. So I don't think you've had those kinds of problems if you're saying that they still allow you to disclose everything.
1: No, it's not that bad. But I think in 2015, they changed the laws so that private consumers used to be free to import nutritious stuff. But now everything is classified as medicine. And if you go to the people who are into health, it's opposite. They cannot now sell products that actually have an effect. Because if it has an effect, it is medicine and it should be sold by the pharmacy and the medicine corporations. But if it doesn't have an effect, <laughs> it's okay. It's crazy. And, they, and you can't even advertise. You can't even say what these products are going to do for you.
0: Okay. so It's a
1: double standard here, if you if you see. So, unfortunately, even though there's some positive things here, the school medicine, or, or you should probably call it the allopathic, is not the real word?
0: That's what they call themselves, yes, allopathic. Yeah.
1: So, the allopathic industry is uh, trying to get, because the Norwegian state is so rich, and we are, as you know, we are like social democrat and we have free health care. So the state is the biggest customer. So what they have done for many, many years is to get their people to influence the people who take decisions within the system. So, for instance, the Rockefeller Institute uh, many, many years ago put up a, a people's health institute that became more and more integrated into the public. And you see that politicians, they may go to big jobs in the pharmacy industry and stuff. So they are influencing uh, the state's experts and who says what. And I'm sure there's a lot of corruptions going on because we don't have too much of economic corruptions, but we have a lot of body corruption if you see what I mean. Okay. Like uh, we know each other and therefore you can, that, that's that's the corruption going on here. So that means that uh, they try to make monopoly when it comes to mm. chemical medicines, when it comes to vaccines, all that. And they're really trying to crack down on our freedom of health choice. And, and this is one of the reasons we want to have this series because it's not just going on here, it's going on all over the Western world.
0: Yeah, and I find it so interesting that here you are, Ellen, in Norway, and you're talking about monopolies. I'm here in the States, and I bring up monopolies. If you look at the mainstream media and you hear all the consolidation of all the big pharma companies, all the banks, nobody talks about monopolies. Mm. You know, it's a corporatocracy because they've all been consolidated, and there's no competition, so.
1: And that's, as we know, uh, d- the definition of fascism. Mm. <laughs> and we have a, we have another series at the forum, uh, which is uh, regarding, well, actually regarding stuff that uh, your husband is very uh, informed about. And that is what, you know, the classified space fleet, the break of a civilization, all that stuff. And we have tried to track the roots of it. And we've had... Uh, a lot of programs with Dr. Farrell. Oh,
0: he's fabulous. Oh, my God. Yes. What isn't he? And Peter Levanda. Oh, and Peter's wonderful too. Yeah, great. Yeah.
1: And the, the reason I'm mentioning this is that they are experts on the Nazis and what happened there. And where I'm going with this is that, as I can perceive it, uh, the Nazis invested heavily into corporations. They they plundered Europe. They got away with billions in loot, yeah. and they invested this into corporations. And I want to ask you, Robin: Do you know if there's we can see it in, in effect? But do we even know about real historical ties between the health corporations, of course, and fascism, Nazism?
0: Of course. You you look at all the German pharmaceutical companies from Merck to Bayer. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the lists go on and on and what they were doing during the wars. The ones, what was it, who was making the chemicals for the gas chambers was that IG Farben yeah. that was making the gases. It's the chemical pharmaceutical industry, along with the military. Uh, if we want to go back to Eisenhower's warning about the military industrial complex, yeah. he just didn't have... You know the uh, pharma and chemical uh, addition to it, but they're pulling the strings because that's where all the big money is made, and that's how everything is controlled. And I think the tide turned when the United States allowed, <clears throat> excuse me, pharmaceutical companies to advertise for drugs on television. And people have been desensitized. It's become a cartoon now when you hear them go through, okay, and some of the side effects may include death, heart attack, stroke, crippling, disease. Yeah, and they talk
1: (laughs) really fast when they say these things. I've heard that. It's so funny.
0: And it just numbs people, and they still make a list and go to their doctors and say, Okay, I want this medicine, and I have to tell you, you think that Western medical doctors are going to be uh, more responsible? Many of them cave in, even on simple things that most people know. If somebody has a cold, which is a virus, you don't give them an antibiotic unless they're spitting up all that green stuff. But the patient is leaning on them, and they're caving in. I, I don't get it. I really don't. By writing the prescription. That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, I'm thinking that uh, if we have like historical ties between fascism, Nazism and the health cartels, uh, I should say not health, but chemical medicine cartels, then uh, to be a little conspiratoric, um, one thing is to, to ruin our health due to profit motives. I mean, that's what most people think is going on when they try to understand the crazy development in many instances. But could there be even more sinister agenda here, like some crazy ideological uh, Nazi remnant philosophy going on? What do you think about that? And and feel free to to be conspiratorial.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. I I shall feel free um, to go into this because I find it very intriguing. Mm. And it's not... Let me see. With the Nazis, I mean, you got to look at how the Nazis came about and how their support was from people in this country and around the world who played both sides uh, against each other just so that they could make all the money so that... You know, the Nazis and what they did, they were encouraged to do what they did because it was a way that some of those supporters of theirs thought that they would be able to achieve power. Yeah. And, you know, some of the really great books have been written by Joseph and also Jim Mars. Jim Mars's yeah. book, the, the Rise of the Fourth Reich, and I'm looking for the name of the book uh, that Joseph wrote that oh my gosh we only covered the first half of it and I have to have him back Joseph Farrell because it is a tour de force. It explains the European Union's formation, explains the Nazis. Oh, yeah, the third way. Yes. Mm. And where and how they shifted, got their names changed, got their images cleaned up. They were repackaged. Mm. Just kind of like everything that happens now, the names get changed, the diseases get changed, the, the whatever it is, they put a new label on it and say, oh, the other problem's gone away. Yeah. <laughs> So, yes, the third way, and that is recommended reading for anybody, I believe, because I had very serious questions um, about what happened, because you look at the work that was being done by someone like John Perkins, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, and these manipulations with entrapping populations in other countries to be in debt because they've been entrapped to... Take this this bait, you know, oh, we'll give you all these loans and you don't have to worry. And then suddenly, it's time to pay back. And what do they do? They compromise the environment, they compromise the rights of their workers in other countries, all because they got sucked in by what looked like such a great deal. And when you you see the, the footprints with business plans and you understand, as Joseph and both Jim have reported, you know, a lot of the structuring that the Nazis had done, those fingerprints are, are quite evident uh, throughout the society, not just here, but uh, around the world. And you got to wonder...
1: If there could be a, a deeper agenda involved, yeah, you know. I mean we we're, we're just speculating, but but uh, it's not implausible because if you look at uh, history, wasn't it the Nazis who started with with fluor and mercury and all this in, in um, mercury in our teeth and fluor in our water?
0: Uh, they used the fluoride in the camps to quiet down the populations? Yeah, and they were also known for developing amphetamine. Uh supposedly it was given to chickens. And then, of course, <laughs> I'm so, if it was good enough for the chickens, I guess they all <laughs> thought they want to run around, too. I,
1: <laughs> I guess they don't see any difference. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> Public at large. I, guess,
0: I, I, I guess not. <laughs> well, but you can understand the mentality of those who are in power and they're all hyped up and feeling all all powerful, that no one can touch or even approach where they are, and you know there there are levels of of insight there. But um, yeah, there are other there are other agendas, and I, I have to tell you that was a big question. The first full show I did with George Nori was in I think two thousand and five or six, uh, or maybe or two thousand and four, and it was about the Codex Alimentarius Commission. Yeah. Yeah. And George said to me, "So tell me, Robin." Do you think this is a genocide agenda? (laughs) Yeah. And my wheels are turning that, okay, am I going to forever be cast aside as some conspiracy nut, never taken seriously about any medical issue in the future? How do I answer? And the answer is, well, if you look at what we're dealing with, there definitely are other agendas at work. And then if you read the report from Iron Mountain... And that was claimed to be, oh, a piece of fiction. They just wanted to mislead people. Well, they can make all those claims out because if you read it, there's a free PDF online. I'm happy to send it to you. You will see. Sure. I, I've never heard about this. What is it? Oh, the report from Iron Mountain is a uh, sort of a, a, a think tank study group that was assembled during the Kennedy administration. Mm. And they came together to look at what could be done to have peace, to change the paradigm from war to one of peace. Mm. And the conclusions, the conclusions and summaries are powerful. I've even read all of that on air because I wanted to make sure people have heard it. But they're stating that um, it's so much more challenging to change the way things are, because when you have war, it's a good way to get rid of all of that frustration and aggression and hostility in many of the population members so they can go and fight each other uh, so that we have the military machine. So we have the weapons and the expense of maintaining a war and you keep the population whipped and whipped in a frenzy of fear uh, that the terrorists are coming or this and that. And they yeah. keep paying more and more and giving up more and more of their rights. Hmm. So that's the, the report from Iron Mountain. And then when you see their conclusions and you see, huh, we're going to be living with a form of soft slavery. That's hmm. what we have in the States because now they're almost starting debtors prison again if people can't afford to pay their debts they're talking about putting them in jail that's insane Mm, we're talking about uh unimaginable pollution as a means to keep the people in that state of imbalance and being forced to pay to clean up to do all of these things which we have, we could go through Fukushima, Hanford nuclear reactor. What about the BP oil spill? I mean, nobody was Ah.
1: put uh, responsible. What about the gas leak you have going over there now? Yeah. What about the polluted water people have to pay for? I mean, it's insane Mm -hmm. what's going on in America. And we actually care because we know from 50 years experience, ever since the Second World War, we know that whatever happens in America, you can just put on the timer... And eventually it will become the norm even over here. So where you are going, that's where that's our future. And that's that's very depressing, you know, Uh, (laughs) we hope you will we hope you will manage to save, uh, you know, the sinking ship before it's too late.
0: Okay, let me ask a question. Do you have a Norwegian militia?
1: <laughs> no, we don't. That's too. Oh, gosh. But yeah, but we don't have. Uh, it's not the same dynamics. We were very homogenic people in in many respects, cultural wise, religion, uh, ethnic So so it, not everything applies here. But whatever happens when it comes to corporations, you know, new trends uh, from above that is international coordinated. It's, it's not anymore just national politics, and especially when we talk about health, because um, we see how they push agendas that eventually becomes the mainstream all over, like, like in vaccines, for instance, and also in homeopathy. And I want to talk more with you about homeopathy later in this program today. Pleasure. But I, I just want to say that homeopathy used to be very popular. I think there was uh, 10 years ago or something, It showed that 50% of the people were using alternative medicine. And that's when they panicked in the allopathic lobby. So they started a campaign. They allied themselves with the skeptics, with the health lobby, with the uh, naive uh, health fascists at the left. uh, And and several uh, interest groups came together. Pharmacy, and they started this enormous campaign to try to first of all split the alternative medicine, uh, or, or I should rather call it um, complementary medicine. is probably better to call it. So uh, now we we have like yeah, uh, acupuncture is okay because they they can't really debunk and crush that because it's so much research and it's so uh, vetted but they for some reason they managed to alienate homeopathy not so in other european countries in england as you probably know it's much more accepted you can get it in hospitals and stuff but in norway homeopathy has been almost crushed so um, how is that in america
0: well, the attention has been shifting and focusing on homeopathy a bit more, just as the FDA has a, a new, which is horrifying, department that is to look into supplements for protecting the population. Yeah. But they um, started leaning on companies, and there's an international company, BHI Heal, and then we have Heal USA. And they have been in business since the 50s in the States and and longer in Europe. And they have changed. This was a couple of years ago, and it was just horrifying because I trained in injection therapy at the University of Miami Miller School of of Medicine. Mm. And there are so many homeopathics that you can use for different pain situations, for different organ Uh, regulation. So many applications. It it was just wonderful to have available. And many of those particular items, poof, they're gone. You can't get them. Mm. You got to try to find other resources. So I find that little by little, because they can't do it all in one fell swoop, they, you know, try to discredit. Of course, you have this maniac <clears throat> spokesman for the group Quackwatch. Uh, what's his name? Something Barrett's. I forgot his first name. Quackwatch. <laughs> yeah, Quackwatch. Uh, I know what
1: crowd that comes from. So, yeah. yeah.
0: But he's the biggest quack. He was discredited. <laughs> he lost his license. You know, he was testifying, I think, in... Uh, I'm trying to think which country in Europe, you know, about mercury. And it was like, they don't even allow mercury. And he was trying to tell them it was safe. I'm just a whole lot of crazy.
1: Yeah. These reactionaries, we have them here too. But fortunately, mercury, the battle against mercury is more or less won in Norway. Now, no dentist use it anymore. But for so many years, they resisted uh, getting rid of it but uh, when the victims of mercury especially dental technicians dental assistants people who have been sick working with this and died uh, even um, the mother of a good friend of mine she she died right before the Wanda court case Aww. so they got a lot of money uh, as a you know reward the wonder case so they had to pay so now at least the battle against mercury is won. F- uh, fluorides is still uh, mainstream. Uh, we, we don't have it in a drink water, but uh, everybody uses fluoride products for their teeth. And that's something that comes from the Nazis too.
0: Sure, but there's education to let people know just how bad it is. I mean, there are more and more states where you see some of the cities and in the individual states are banning the use of fluoride because wow. they know the problems associated with it.
1: Oh, you mean mainstream research proving the health problems?
0: Yes, yes. Oh, mm. I've had many conversations with people. But, you know, if you and, – and this comes up. If something is considered a hazardous waste, uh, when they remove it from your mouth, why is it safe when they put it in your mouth? Right. How do people buy it? Oh, it's okay. It's in your mouth. Huh? <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's basic logic. But the problem uh, I guess people in general they are so distracted and busy and at least here where I live they have this complete religious trust in the mainstream uh, health uh, solutions. It's like the new priesthood. We're very secular society, so people don't have so much trust in priests, but when it comes to your allopathic doctor, when it comes to the pharmacy industry, vaccines, all that, people really believe that they have our best interest in heart. They want to solve all this problems. Uh, now of course there is a large segment of the population who realizes that there are profit motives, but that's as far as people are able to be critical. They nobody looks at the ideological agendas. And uh, I also think and you may elaborate on this that there may be an agenda in crushing natural medicine so that all natural medicine that has an effect can be reproduced chemically and monopolized. So that we will become addicts, and there are dealers, or pushers. Uh, that there is a, a deliberate agenda to crush alternative medicine practices and remedies, so that everything will be this allopathic, monopolic, corporate hegemony. What do you think about that? Am I being a crazy conspiracy theorist here, or <laughs> no? I you-
0: think you're understating it a little bit. Um, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> No, but uh, truly, it is as bad as you were saying. And I I have a friend, he's a, uh, let me see how to describe him. He's an intel person who's had a lot of ties with the government and troubleshooting and all different kinds of things. And he has a wonderful, wonderful quote that you will you know, like I'm sure, you can mm-hmm. feel free to use it. It's that the lie is different at every level. And when you think Oh yeah,
1: I've been using it already. Oh. But I've been ascribing it to your husband.
0: <laughs> no, that's from a friend of ours. It's not it's not Richards. Right. Just like Google is your friend, that's mine. But anyhow that's let's yours. Let go through yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but um you know when you think of that and people say, Oh my gosh, how could they get people to do it? Well you can appeal to their vanity you can appeal to their safety you can appeal to their um responsibility to other human beings on this planet whatever it takes you make them feel special that they're the ones that have been chosen to Mm. save this population and you know they'll buy it hook line and sinker if they don't know any better and that's how all of these things get implemented and um yes there are agendas and, and yes, you go back to eugenics, uh, back in the early 1900s. And I mean, you think these are logical areas, um, when you look at where the patterns go in medical research. You, you talked about the divisions taking place in medicine. Well, you know what really put the homeopathic physicians to be marginalized? The Oh, gosh, that's when Rockefeller was investing money in these uh, chemical drugs that they were producing. And the homeopaths at the time were suddenly put into, a, into arguments among themselves about the importance of potencies. And they became marginalized, and there was a whole concerted effort to do that. Mm. And that's how allopathy got established. Yet I've actually
1: read what you're talking about, the history of uh, modern Western medicine. And if you go back in time, 100 years or or so, the allopathic medicine wasn't this big natural hegemony. There was a much more, the Western medicine was in development, really. And the homeopathic was a part, and already then homeopaths were a minority. But I read that, that homeopaths was one of the most outspoken groups about this Uh, wild uh, mass vaccination uh, policy that started so i didn't know it was sponsored by rockefeller i'm I'm not surprised but i kind of perceived it like uh, when uh, the homeopaths were one of the health groups most against vaccines that's what made a target uh, i think Mm -hmm. And uh, wouldn't it be natural to target the homeopaths if they are holding back the development of the vaccine industry? So again, I'm being conspiratorial here, but it's it's not like it's a far-fetched thing. It's a natural. You can argue this just out of a position of profit.
0: Yeah, definitely. There's a lot, a lot of money at stake. You know, that's, yeah. that's the big deal. And you, you look at that in what you're saying. I don't, I don't recall the homeopaths being that part of the population that was the most uh, vocal uh, against vaccinations. But you, you know, you look at the premise of vaccines and they actually come from basic concepts of homeopathy. And you think of Dr. Jenner. When he was treating, uh, first cowpox mm. and then going on to smallpox, what he did was use pus from what they called milkmaid's knees and they would have swellings and fluid retention and they would have these scabs and they would take the serum from those, those open like little blisters and use that serum and then scratch the skin to put that, uh, on a person So that they would get the protective properties because it's like treating like. Now, from where that derived to what it came to with recombinant uh, human DNA with aluminum, mercury, cadmium, uh, squalene, I mean the list of chemicals, uh, mercury, so much more. It's just out of the ballpark, but it's quite intriguing that that concept originated there and then got totally perverted. And the perversion gives a lot of credit to what you're saying about these other agendas, because how can you put these materials into a person's body? Many, we we know the story of the 1950s with the polio vaccine grown on the monkey kidney cells. And gee, what do you have as a expected health problem from that but there was a latent polyoma virus and a polyoma is a multiple tumor virus that was in the vaccine coming from the monkey kidney cells where it could take 20 to 30 years and sometimes longer before people would develop these cancers Hmm. but nobody was aware of it and they snuck through these things so why are they claiming that they need to Use the so-called adjuvants that are toxic, heavy metals, or outright poisons, or or laboratory-created cells, or fetal tissue. Mm. Why are they claiming that these are necessary to stimulate your immune system? I mean, there are other ways to do that without putting poison in the body that will ultimately compromise an immune system and cause all kinds of autoimmune diseases, cancers, even death. Mm. It's so funny that
1: you talked about Vaccine and the homeopathic principle, because that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about uh, later today when we're going sure. in, going more into homeopathy. But you you beat me to it.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It, it just... No, no.
1: We're at the same wavelength here. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah. Well,
0: it's important. <laughs> yeah. It is.
1: It is, and uh, because I want to help people understand how things work, so I, I want to inquire you about these things a little later. But I, I want to go a little back to. What we talk about now, the big industry, they say that the pharmacy industry is the second largest in terms of uh, money uh, after the military industrial weapons industry. Is this true? Do you know?
0: I believe so. I'd say, yeah, they're pretty neck and neck, but a lot of big money. And you got to ask yourself, how come they're claiming, oh, this is a, another big sore point, because I subscribe to all kinds of medical journals, not just complementary and not just nutrition wow. uh, but all of the Western pharmaceutical journals I receive all set
1: and the whole pack
0: yeah I, I have to go through everything so there's a lot of research I do on a regular basis and you find that you had the company uh, Gilead that claimed they have the cure for hepatitis C mm-hmm. and it will guarantee that people will be healed of hepatitis C now, I actually called Gilead Pharmaceuticals to speak with one of their representatives and asked them the question, how are you able to make this statement after such a short research period when we know that the nature of the hepatitis C virus is that it hides in the body, kind of like people are used to understanding that herpes will hide. And they both mutate and become other entities and are resistant to treatment, Uh, but at a time of weakness or challenge or intense illness, they will reactivate. So they don't have a long enough track record. And yet here in the States for these drugs, they were charging almost $100,000 for one total treatment hmm. for Americans. Hmm. And do you know what the price was for people in Egypt? Hmm. $900. Wow. How can they have a markup like that and bleed the American people dry even further and then have a price difference in, in, in Egypt? I mean, just think of what somebody could do. They could have a great vacation, go to Egypt, be treated, go around the world. Mm. So, but is, isn't
1: that an argument for free health care for everyone? Because if that was the case… Uh, they could still profit by going through the state, but at least you couldn't crush weak, poor groups like that. What do you think about that?
0: I would love to see a way to have free health care established. And even, gosh, if we could just have all the diagnostics, the blood work, the different um, types of imaging that are needed, all of those things. But when it comes down to care... I have found I mean I hear great stories out of Cuba that their healthcare system is amazing.
1: Yeah, it's been that for a long time.
0: Yeah, they volunteer, they go out around the world to help. Mm. But a lot of the other countries like uh the UK and Canada, what used to be thought of as great health care doesn't seem to be like that. And for myself uh, as a physician, as a homeopathic physician, and an Oriental medical doctor, and I've got Western medical training, I can order all the blood work, just you know, as a, any other physician can do. Mm. But my intake with a patient, Al, you know, I mean, it's it's. <laughs> You're familiar with homeopathy, so you'll understand. It can take up to three hours because I want a full review of the whole. History, and that's the history of the patient and their blood relatives and where they are now, what they present with. You need allergies, you need vaccinations, diseases, you need all of this to have a picture of the person. And were I to bill for that from an insurance company, Mm -hmm. they'd probably pay me $25 for three (laughs) hours of work. Yeah. How do we deal with that? Yeah,
1: I, I hear in America the insurance companies get all the money. Oh, yes, uh, they do. Yes, yeah, they do. Yeah. I think uh, uh what you call it, uh, single payer, is that the term? Yes. Mean? Yes. Yeah. Because we in Norway had free healthcare for ages, and uh, we have a rich state, so they actually can afford it. I think the problem in Canada and UK is not the principle of free health care, but it's the fact that the, the, they are bankrupt. They, you know, it's a decline in, in, in money, right? So they're cutting, they're cutting, they're cutting, and they always cut for the poor. They never cut like, uh, you know, defense spending or anything like that. So I think that's where that problem comes in. Uh, we would have that same problem if we didn't have oil.
0: Well, that's because you're not part of the European Union. You're able to take care of the people in your yeah. country. Yeah. You know, you're you're not in lockstep, I'm assuming, with the World Bank. You don't need all of that. They, what are they going to dangle for you if you're a wealthy country? Yeah,
1: but they want uh, money from the state. They want uh, oil money. So they, like Norway, always buys up, uh, oh, it's flu season. Let's use billions on Ah. idiotic, completely useless, and in some cases, dangerous vaccines. Uh, So uh, I just remember my grandmother, she had more health insight than uh, it seems the average journalist or whatever, because she was talking about, oh, it's good that you have a cold now that will train your immune system. But now they are treating everybody as we are fragile, uh, it's a f- we are all like 19 years old and we, we can't, uh, <laughs> deal with anything. So everybody needs to be doped down on chemicals and, and vaccines and whatnot. Uh, and that's uh, that's so crazy Yeah, And I'll I tell you Robin And I'm not bragging here Because I think it's genes and, and maybe the fact that I've been doing yoga and meditation for so many years But I, I'm never sick I'll probably become sick sooner or later But I've never been sick And I have a very great immune system And I attribute that to also the practice of trying to keep a, a healthy immune system Trying to avoid all the chemicals and all the uh, vaccines and all that stuff when I went to India I took no vaccines. Good. Yeah.
0: And you didn't have a problem.
1: No no my friend had a problem. <laughs> I learned the trick that uh, when you go to faraway place where they have an alien bacteria culture, the first thing you do is that you order local natural yogurt. Okay. (laughs) And you eat that, right? Sure. My friend, he relied on uh, the mainstream solutions. Uh, You know, this, uh, I don't know, he had like a lot of uh, products that were supposed to help him avoid the famous india disease that you get (laughs) and he was he was on the toilet he was uh, he was getting uh, fever and all this stuff not me not me and i think it's because i went natural
0: (laughs) you're replacing and encouraging the growth and repopulation of the good bacteria in your gut yeah. I mean, you were the, the wise one and what people don't realize is that we have what's considered a second brain in our gut because there is so much absorption of nutrition there, so much release of those cascades of neurochemicals and different stimulations that create the, the, next step and the next step for so many processes in the body and it originates there and maintaining gut health is pivotal you know so what i do uh, i don't have dairy products and my diet is raw i will have kimchi i love kimchi all different types of this fermented cabbage it's very hot and spicy and they have from different countries kimchi sauerkraut Um, All things that have not been pasteurized, Mm. that are raw, they have those enzymes. And when you get them from your foods and your sauerkraut, the array of those probiotics are much greater than what is in your yogurt or in the the pills that you can buy, the capsules. So, yeah, I mean, you were spot on as to what needed to be protected.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I also, I'm very fond of kefir.
0: Oh, I was just thinking about that when you said it. I yeah. uh, I I fell in love with it and made it myself. And I have to tell you, my friend who gave me the culture, she said, "Now, if you can get raw milk, that's ideal." And I didn't know where to get raw milk here in New Mexico, so she said, "Regular pasteurized is fine, but if you get ultra pasteurized, it will kill the bacteria, mm. it will kill the kefir culture. And I have to tell you, Morala, my dog and I, when I was making the kefir, we would make a funnel to make that thick cheese from it as well. Mm. Nothing ever got saved. I mean, we, the two of us would be, she'd be looking at me in the kitchen and I'm taking a spoon. So I had to give her some, and I'm taking more and we would just eat it up. It's Delicious,
1: I thought raw milk was uh, forbidden. they managed to to forbid it here, and I'm, oh. I mean it's insane.
0: Well, with the lies that they're telling you this is for your protection.
1: yeah, it's so micromanaging of our health when it comes to supplements. When it comes to what kind of uh, therapy you want to choose, when it comes to the choice in a matter of vaccines, when it comes to uh, what kind of medicine is sponsored by the state, because that's a big deal when you have free health care, what matters is what. Is the state willing to pay mm. for on your behalf, right? So, sure. uh, how free is the healthcare if they just pay for things that makes it worse? So, the freedom is is uh, declining when it comes to, for instance, eco. When it comes to uh, GMO. When it comes to uh, knowing what is in your food. Everything is a hard battle, and even such a simple thing as raw milk. So, how is it in America? Is that forbidden there too?
0: Uh, In many states, it is. And of course, California was one of the big states to crack down. Uh, There are ways to go around it. But I decided to eliminate dairy from my diet. Uh, And I loved I love dairy products, but I I made a choice. And um, I haven't added it back. And I know California was leading the way and you, you hear stories from other states. But there are ways that people do a workaround, so mm. uh, you know if people dig around they, they can they can find that information but yes, that is restricted uh, I'm trying to think what else that would be comparable mm. uh, that they're change well just the fact that they can ultra pasteurize milk to the point where it doesn't support life
1: mm.
0: you know you you can't get the other because that's claimed to be harmful i mean it's it's what's black is white it's very orwellian what people are hearing and it causes a disconnect in the brain because when you're lied to over and over and over you know you know intellectually that this is not right and yet you're not able to do anything about it that's a lot of stress Mm. and uh the solutions well what did they do they they medicate people they medicate them with drugs the prozac-based fluoride drugs that disconnect a person emotionally and let them just be this like you know kind of comfortable zombie getting through the day yeah but no highs or lows zombies the mm. so is that living <laughs> <laughs> no i guess but
1: uh, uh, when you say cutting out dairy you, you really don't even use uh, cheese or butter anymore
0: no, no. I I've been raw for let me see, uh, four and a half years I think, or is it? I think four and a half years or almost five years. Mm. And I don't I don't use um, butter. I did use cultured butter for a while, and then I stopped. And you know, you wind up going back and forth and being all over the place. But uh, no, not not part of not part of my diet intake now and it's really challenging because people don't understand and they're always saying well we, we can steam some vegetables for you if you're in a restaurant <laughs> And it's like, no, raw, and I don't think I'd want to eat raw vegetables in your restaurant, so don't worry about <laughs> me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know raw is uh, – it's been a fad for a long time here. Uh, one good thing in my country is that people are becoming extremely aware when it comes to food mm. for some weird reason. They're not aware – and the other aspects of health we've been talking about so much, except for uh, worshipping the chemical industry as their new religion. But when it comes to food, because we are so fond of exercising, uh, health is being, being healthy, being fit is a new ideal now. So uh, people look into supplements, they look into nutrition, the eco is becoming very popular. So we have like trends among the people who's kind of battling the attempts from the big cartels and the uh, corrupt aspects of the state who try to push their agenda, their economic or maybe even ideological agenda on us. But they can't manage when people are aware and interested. So, uh, and another aspect of that is that it becomes a new industry. Because there's money to be made in uh, these things that uh, people now want to do, like to do. So um, 20 years ago, you would be hard pressed to find any place in, for instance, Oslo that served raw food. But now we have like many pure raw food restaurants or what you want to call it. Yeah, I'm safe. So that's one of the diets. And the Atkins thing, the the high fat, uh, low carb, Uh low carb is, is actually coming as a big wave. And it's been coming for a long time because people wanna we're getting fatter and fatter, right? We're not we're not poor, so we're getting fatter and fatter. So people won't understand why are we becoming fatter? Oh right. The Norwegian state have been telling us since the fifties that eat more carbs, more carbs, more carbs. Sugar doesn't hurt you, sugar doesn't hurt you, ah. fat is bad, fat is bad. And now they're starting to realize, shit, the state has been telling us the opposite of what's actually true.
0: Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> so
1: it's a backlash, right? But I've been <laughs> fascinating with the raw food thing because um, I have friends who's into that too. And it's such a different turn of the traditional meals. So so you're actually living, uh, living proof that that works.
0: Yes. And I mean, Richard eats what he eats. People would be astonished. But, um, you know, or when when they see us or they've spent time at our home, they're always, "How does he eat like that?" <laughs> <laughs> if, if he's with you, it's like because he's got freedom of choice, but it just has reached a point uh, for me, I stopped eating animal you know, beef or anything like that. And I ate a lot and I, I, the Atkins diet with your proteins and reducing carbs and Mm. having lots of vegetables and nuts. I mean, that is important, but you don't have to get your food sources from animals. Um, I think eggs are a perfect food. Um, You know, that's a whole other area of research to get into, but the myth of cholesterol, your body makes it on its own. Mm. So with a raw diet, it's up to others do they want to include eggs and at times I have, and I may again or I may not, or if I have sushi grade salmon at times I have or have not, but animals for I guess it's going on twelve years, I have not had any you know red meat or anything like that, and mm. uh, poultry not for probably about five years now. but it's 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 a choice. And it's a very creative experience when you learn about raw foods. I have to tell you, Al, for me, I love a challenge. And I, I just shared uh, a recipe on Facebook, which is not something I normally do, but I figured this looks so easy mm-hmm. for people to make something like panna cotta, that Italian custard. And, but I like reading it because then it stimulates me to find a way to make it raw. And I will. And I've done that with my raw cheesecake and my chocolates and uh, my crackers and and so many other things. But it is – there's a way to do it. I'm guessing
1: avocados are a big uh, ingredient in your –
0: Oh, my gosh. You can make the most delicious chocolate pudding with avocado and you can get packages of of raw cacao – Organic cacao, I use stevia, I don't use sugar, or you can use, if you want a sweet, sweet taste, you can use the coconut nectar, which does not spike the glycemic index the same way. Mm. And you can make these amazing creations. I love chocolate. Can you imagine being able to make yourself a tray of chocolate um, by mixing coconut oil, uh, your stevia or coconut nectar, nuts or raspberries, whatever you like, with the raw cacao. Mix it with the coconut oil. Make sure you blend it thoroughly. You put it in the freezer for 10 minutes and it's hardened up and you've got your chocolate. Mm. (laughs) It's instant gratification.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know that because um, I've been... um for many years, I've been involved in event, um Holdings, uh, and I've been holding like retreats and stuff. And one of our nutrition experts there—he he gives uh, courses in making raw chocolate, and mm. it tastes delicious. And he—he's a hardcore. I, I don't know how he does it, but he eats cacao beans. How do you say in English?
0: Cacao beans or yeah. cacao nibs? Yeah.
1: yeah. He he eats them as if sweets. But I tried them. Oh, my God. I couldn't stand the taste. It's so... Uh, is it bitter? Is that the word for that taste?
0: Yeah, it's... It's. I, I don't think I've eaten straight cacao beans, but the cacao nibs, I like to put in some of the chocolates that I eat because on their own, they're not really that sweet. But when mixed in with the other things, uh, they taste sweet and they're like having chocolate chips in my chocolate. But it's with something... That's good quality, organic, raw.
1: <laughs> right. Be- before we go back to the big picture again, let me just ask you uh, about this thing since we're talking about it. What sugar replacements? You, ne- you mentioned stevia, of course. Are there other safe sugar replacements that doesn't screw up your blood sugar or make you fat and stuff like that?
0: Sure. Sure. Now I've used stevia for probably, oh my gosh, maybe it's, it's 30 years now. I don't know. I found out about it. I was fortunate, you know, to have learned about it a long time ago. And I had a bad reaction to aspartame. So it, it oh, yeah. was very motivating to make sure I changed. Mm. And the coconut palm nectar is one of the best. And I have to, well, it's kind of a funny story. I thought, wow, this is so cool. Here I am seeing all these advertisements in the 1980s or, or 1990s about you can have carbohydrate free chocolates. And they had all of these sugar alcohols included. And that would be like mannitol, uh, all the things that end in OL. Well, one of the concerns, and I wasn't aware of this until it happened to me, Mm -hmm. you can feel as if you have fireworks exploding in your gut because that sugar alcohol ferments and causes all this pressure internally. So people have to really be careful. That doesn't sound good. So you you (laughs)
1: can get diarrhea if you eat too much of it. But
0: horrible cramping. Horrible cramping because wow. of the pressure that it causes. So what is safe? Stevia and the coconut nectar. Some people don't have that problem. And I take issue with the many companies that claim they have pure stevia, except they neglect to inform people uh, when they make the claim to read the label. I read the label. I never take them at what they say. No. And they have erythritol, another one that ends in OL. It's a sugar alcohol. And I have a patient, oh, gosh, someone who's very challenging, very stubborn. Uh, You know, when they're a friend and a patient, it's very hard to (laughs) deal with. You want to bang your head against the wall. And sometimes it's, you know, which mode are we in? Are we in the doctor mode? Are we in the friend mode? So you don't want to be overbearing and say anything. And I looked at the label for the stevia he was using, and I didn't say a word. And I just put it down. And he, he said, well, is there something wrong with it? I said, well, what's what's you know, your experience? I mean, I can comment on some of the things. And he said, Well, you know, sometimes, you know, I I I I might not feel completely right. I said, Well, what you have here, it's not just stevia, it has erythritol, and that's a sugar alcohol, Mm. which goes with the explanation I gave you before. And he said, oh, that explains the cramps that I would get and the upset stomach. <laughs> so. so all the things ending
1: on OL is actually because uh, they're pushing many sugar-free products. And I'm not talking about uh, light products and all that bullshit, but supposedly healthy stevia was forbidden, by the way, in Norway for oh, so yes. long. But you know how we managed to make it available? How? Public uh, demand. People became aware of it because, like I said, people are getting aware when it comes to food. And they were outraged that we couldn't get stevia here. Why is it forbidden? So now it's uh, coming like a huge wave. Uh, actually, our, you know, Gro and Brundtland? She's a former prime minister of Norway who's been uh, the head of uh, WHO for a long time. And she has this agenda of trying to make sugar, uh, actually ban sugar. Wow, good <laughs> yes. for her. Yes, well, good for... It's a UN, right? So good for the world if that happens. But um, So stevia is popular, but people also use all the other things. Uh, I don't know if these terms apply in English, but it's called, for instance sucrine and fructose. Yeah, you're thinking
0: of sucralose. Sucralose is another chemical that is toxic, that has side effects. Oh. You you had um, aspartame, which now they've changed the name and it's included in so many things, even pharmaceutical drugs.
1: Yeah, we know that's bad. Yeah, yeah.
0: aspartame. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some of the others. Well, saccharin was an old one. I think they wanted to reintroduce it, even though they found that there were problems with it. So... Well, what about this xylitol or something like that? Xylitol? Yeah. Xylitol is another sugar alcohol. That's been found to have wonderful oral health benefits for repopulating the good bacteria in the mouth. And it is, I think, a little bit less of an irritant to the gut than some of the other sugar alcohols. But here in the States, you'll find it in toothpaste, mouthwashes, chewing gums. um, And it has benefits like that. And I have bottles of it, but I put them high up and out of the way. Because those sugar alcohols that are in many mints and chewing gums, let's say your dog or cat, I'm not sure, but I think it's the same for cats, definitely for dogs. If they get into it, the sugar alcohols have a systemic effect on them that's quite different from us, and their blood pressure drops dem- so dramatically that they can die. Oh, And wow. you've got to be really careful keeping that away from your pets. Yeah. So that's if you get candy made with it or cakes or whatever, yeah, yeah. keep it away.
1: <laughs> but but it's the thumb rule here then that uh, if it ends on OL <laughs> or if it's a sugar alcohol, you should be a little uh, careful.
0: Yeah, the sugar alcohols. I'm sure there are other things that end in OL as well that have trade names. Uh, but, you know, mannitol, xylitol, um, erythritol, I, there, there's a whole list of them. So I would say... Proceed with caution, and especially if somebody has irritable <laughs> irritable bowel syndrome, oh my yeah. gosh, don't let them take those products.
1: So the optimal thing in your view then is um, stevia and... Uh Coconut, uh, uh, was it oil? What was nectar, it?
0: nectar. Nectar. Co- yeah, no. Everything coconut. Coconut, yeah. coconut palm sugar, coconut nectar, coconut oil, cocoa butter. And you can even use it on your skin
1: and as a deodorant. And I've started flushing the mouth with coconut oil now oh. for 20 minutes every evening. And uh, I did it as an experiment when I dropped uh, fluoride products for my dental care. Because I was a little paranoid. I'm a little brainwashed uh, that, oh, if I drop fluoride now, my teeth will go bad because I don't have very healthy teeth. So
0: I started with this. And my- Did you ever wonder why you don't have very healthy teeth? Excuse me for interrupting you. No, it could uh, be from all the fluoride. <laughs> yeah, it, it may be because I my, my
1: parents gave me fluoride tablets, pills from I was uh, a baby almost. So I, every day I ate, I, I chewed on them like a good little concentration camp victim. Uh, so so yeah, that may be it. But they, my teeth also get so... I, I always wanted white, beautiful teeth. So now they're starting to really whiten due to the coconut oil uh, flushing. So it, it's not only that it kills the bacteria in the mouth, it even uh, whitens teeth.
0: I, and thank you, I have to go back to that because I've done it periodically, that oil pulling, and it is supposed to be... One of the most amazing things for oral health. So thank you for the reminder.
1: Yeah, I can subscribe. Uh, it's not just a, a myth. It actually works for, at least that's my anecdotal evidence. But uh, what about
0: honey? That's a natural product. I mean, uh, how could that be bad? Well, you know, it depends on who's consuming the honey. Even though something is a natural product, and oh my gosh, you left the door wide open, Al, because <laughs> here in the States, we had every kind of garbage uh food labeled all natural all natural you know it's it's meaningless but with honey honey is is great on the skin you have manuka honey from australia and from some other areas uh that have potent healing medicinal benefits uh, and you can have raw honey. Uh, you've got to be careful with infants because there are certain spores that are found to be in honey and they can give kids a really infants a very dangerous exposure, uh, that can be life threatening. So they recommend waiting until after a baby is a year old before you add honey. But if somebody is part of the, what they, you'll love this acronym standard american diet they call it the sad diet how right on can you imagine the sad diet Mm. and the sad diet is consuming your pasta your bread your potatoes your muffins your pies your cakes uh your sugar-laden ice cream all of these things that overwhelm the system, your overcooked um, meats that form a chemical reaction at high temperatures, so much food that is eaten here in the States that has become harmful, aside from the fact that it doesn't have the basic mineral requirements to support nutrition, that there are GMOs, that there are antibiotic residues and growth hormones and all these other things. How are people going to stay healthy with what they eat? So you really have to work hard to find good sources to have good quality food. And that's a job for me all the time.
1: Okay. But uh, I'm, I'm not so clear on what your verdict on honey was.
0: Oh, and honey, I'm sorry I got sidetracked. I think if <laughs> if you're not somebody that has symptoms of a leaky gut, that's been taking antibiotics for a while, and what happens with that if you're not taking your probiotics or eating that good yogurt as you were describing, you have a irritation of the intestinal tract where some of these irritants can pass into the pelvic cavity, pelvic. Cavity and create an inflammation process. So, more sugars can tend to feed that. And people, that's why we have such a high rate of diabetes here, yeah, yeah. because it's all out of balance. Because people. Here too. Yeah, they were told not to eat the necessary fats mm. coconut oil, olive oil, uh, eggs. I mean, these things are necessities for your body to function. Mm. So, I think honey is great. But if a person has to watch their sugar intake, it's going to be detrimental to their health.
1: But for a person with a, an average okay health, then it could be a beneficial effect?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it has it has uh, good properties. You can find um, – gosh, I mean, I think there was a book um, – confessions of a vermont doctor that came out years ago and i found a a used copy about the importance of apple cider vinegar and you mix that with honey uh if you have an upset stomach if you're getting a cold whatever it is that it balances your system and the importance of the benefits of honeys from different regions if you have allergies you want to get the the um the The wax from, you know, the comb from the the beehive Mm -hmm. in your area because they have used the pollen to make the honey from the local plants and that will help you deal with your allergies that exposure it's kind of a homeopathic treatment with <laughs> yeah. this small dose of the honey from specific areas so yes i say you know that you can use honey and for those that want another option maple syrup really syrup well wow. oh maple syrup from the maple trees that is the grade b or grade c you want the darker syrup because it's got all the vitamins and minerals because only okay. people in the States here could ever believe that they got to take everything out to make it look good. And that means it'll be good for you with all that good stuff taken out. So it's, mm. you know, another conundrum there. But uh, and of course, Manuka, uh, Manuka honeys and they have different medicinal grain- gradings gratings for what you're treating and that's something everybody can google and and read about, and if they are so inclined to incorporate into their diets or use it as wound healing, even regular honey can be put on a wound to help speed up the healing
1: yeah I read um I read uh, a research report about that I think it it seems that honey has antibiotic. Uh, qualities mm-hmm. uh, in it naturally, and by the way, I also read uh, this research report. You mentioned it too that you said that the gut is a kind of a brain, but that's that's not just a metaphor. It's actually it actually has consciousness and it's connected to the brain. So it has brain functions <laughs> it's so well. Oh
0: yeah, I, I I was being literal. I wasn't yeah. just giving a metaphor. No, and of course. Uh, with my background, I certainly understand that the body is connected i will I, I still wonder when a patient says to me "Oh my doctor said don 't worry about it. You just have an infection in your foot it 's not going to create a problem mm. huh <laughs> you know <laughs> when you see that red line moving up your leg it 's creating a problem, and the infection is is traveling, and people yeah. have been brainwashed into the specialist that they need to see because everything is different and not interrelated. And it is just like your grandmother knew and you were so lucky to have that exposure to understand what the body needs and what is normal and beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but back
1: in the day, everybody understood that uh, the more you are exposed to, the stronger you become. I mean, it's just a natural law.
0: Well, yeah, I I mean, this was and this is what I kept asking with, or we can get into this with vaccines, what the ways things used to be done. So we can we can save that one. But Mm. the the older ways, I have to tell you, my mother's mother was just such a nag. Oh, my gosh, always (laughs) you're going to catch a cold. You can't walk around Balfour. You can't do this. You better wrap a scarf around your neck. You better do this. (laughs) And lo and behold, in Chinese medical school, they talk about the pervasive um, negative effects of the wind, you know, why you have to have the back of your neck covered. And I'm thinking, oh, my grandmother would have been, you know, in heaven hearing all these things. Mm. Uh, that's so, you know, support what she had to say, but it becomes common sense, you know, no extremes, keep the body in balance. Mm. Don't deprive yourself and, and don't overdo things.
1: Yeah. The, the, Uh, golden uh, middle road so to speak the golden mean
0: yeah Mm. yeah
1: so before we we take a break here let's just wrap up this more depressive uh, overarching focus uh, when we're talking about uh, the big multinational corporation and cartels versus our freedom of health choice um I wonder your thoughts about, because people realize that, okay, they're getting depressed of uh, the decline in education. Everything is under attack. We see, we see the military corporations. And we also see like in uh, health corporations, but they don't connect it. They don't see that it may not just be that coincidentally all these big profit industries are running amok. <laughs> they they think it's we have a problem here, we have a problem there, and we have a problem there, but they, they're not connected. It's like different problems. But obviously, there is a connection here. So I'm thinking, what do you see for the world or for the West today when it comes to the hegemony and the push they are making? Are we beyond the point of no return? Or is there any positive signs? Like here in Norway, I mentioned that public awareness can battle this. But how are we at, at the bigger, you know the world is bigger than my country and <laughs> how is it in America and how is it in the world when it comes to this battle between the the corporational putsch in our health and yes. Uh, yeah. And the resistance, people's resistance. <laughs>
0: yes, there, there's lots to be done. And, I, you know, it's, it's not all doom and gloom. And it's actually quite compelling when you look back at things in the United States. And I've been telling my audience, you know, go over on your, your cable or on your satellite TV and look at some of the old Nickelodeon programs of Lassie. And, um, oh, father knows best. All all these different stories when it was a simpler, Mm. kinder, and gentler world, and people had a family garden. There was a cow in the neighborhood. Somebody raised chickens. Everybody helped out. Oh, gosh, did you hear? The, The neighbor's wife is in the hospital. We have to go and bring him food and take the kids to school. Everybody helped out. And it wasn't just the churches. There were private organizations, but it was more a function of your neighbors and your community to recognize, hey, we're all in this together and we are our support systems. And that's what gets us through everything. And that's what I talk about all the time. You can grow food and share it with your neighbors because We're the first line of defense here when there are emergencies. And I was living in Florida when we had hurricane Andrew and the phone lines were down and, and actually my family went and stayed with, uh, at a friend's apartment and I stayed at my home because I couldn't bring my dog there and I wouldn't leave him. And, um, to just get through everything. We had a hand pump for water, which made a difference. But you have all of these natural disasters. And if you are growing foods, if you are growing sprouts, basic things, and you know, your neighbors have other things then everybody can share, but it takes planning ahead of time. So it comes down to that. It comes down to the, the little plants I have growing on my windowsill, and I plan to have a lot more. Um, you know, I just need a better support system for them if I have to be away. But I got a prescription from my acupuncture physician now, and he wanted me to use green onions as part of the remedy for this sort of cold throat thing that that I'm getting rid of uh, that's almost gone. And I thought, oh, I didn't stop. And then I realized, no, I've recycled the tops of my onion plants, the tops of my... um Uh, Not even the tops, you plant the whole little piece of garlic and you get garlic sprouts. You get the scallions from that. You can do just simple things utilizing what might be considered waste products. And maybe someone else has the room to have a real garden of stuff, but it all comes together. And it is going to be pivotal. Mm. Our reliance on each other, that we get it, that we stop being manipulated by all the lies and hatred that are spewed forth by that doctrine of divide and conquer, by the Hegelian dialectic that is, you know, creating those problems. And oh, here we're the heroes, we're going to give you the solution. Uh, the people, as they join together and support each other, are so far removed from any threats that. If this happens around the world, community by community, yeah. we have our strength and we will not be vulnerable to whatever they throw our way.
1: Yeah, you see, we mentioned Putin. It's a very good thing going on in Russia there that the state is encouraging people to do precisely that, to make a garden, uh-huh. food garden in there. Do you know about this?
0: Yes, I do. I, I I follow that very closely, and I just, um, Mm. yeah, it, it is of critical importance. And unfortunately, where I am, I did have food growing outside, but we have. Mice and other things in, in this rural area. And they, I, I saved two of my cactus plants. They went through so many. They went through the bees. That's right. You live <laughs> in New, New Mexico, right? Yes. And yeah. we're in a rural area. And, you know, if it snows here, I have to make sure I'm prepared.
1: Snow? Oh, so you do have snow. I was imagining you had like uh, desert uh, warmth uh, all year around, but you actually have snow Yes,
0: there? New Mexico has um, very high elevations. We're probably about 6,500 ah. feet above sea level. And they have what made them popular with the film industry for pictures to be shot here is the diversity of altitude ah. and the different ecology that you find with every altitude. So there are places that look like Mars, you know, with <laughs> with red desert.
1: Except Mars doesn't look like that. But yes, I know. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mars
0: tends, you know, Mars has blue skies and not what they're showing us, and you yeah. know, yeah. But uh, you know, that's in line with the other stuff. Yeah. But that's what New Mexico has. All of this diversity, and they have a lot of food crops here. They have fig trees going back to the 1500s wow. when the Spanish came. It is it is so fascinating. I, I love food and I love looking at those origins. So for people to grow and share, they can. But if we still kind of let the mainstream media or any politician or any other mouthpiece convince us that we have to hate each other and we have to kill these enemies, mm. then we're subscribing to that manipulation that has kept us in the hole that we are in for way too many centuries. Yeah. So it's it's that wake-up call and it's that uniting and realizing that, hey, if it's going to be better for you, it's going to be better for me. So it yeah. makes perfect sense. If, you know, you want to only think about yourself, well, then it'll be better for you too that we all work together.
1: Yeah. No, but the fair based um uh, lifestyle uh, the fair based uh, paradigm is pushed from above so uh, yeah people's resistance is uh, is uh, the best vaccine against that but when <laughs> it comes to having your own garden it's popular among uh, conscious people here in Norway eco-friendly people and stuff but we have to take heed of the seasons because you can't do anything in the winter unless it's uh, greenhouse or something Because, you know, nature. In the summer, we are like any other country. You can sunbathe naked, if you like. uh, But in the winter, it can become pretty harsh Arctic climate, almost. So, uh, I imagine it was easier for you down there. But if you have snow, too, then uh, it's uh, pretty similar to us, I guess.
0: Yeah, just not as extreme, I have to say. Not as extreme. And even this big corner window in the living room, I have a lot of plants and herbs on the windowsill and they're doing great because the difference with um New Mexico where we are, the higher elevation, you get more UV radiation and that's you've yeah. got to be very protective of your eyes and your skin because it just breaks down that collagen and causes cataracts and all kinds of problems. But the plants can thrive in the window. Mm. Just in the window. During the winter, and it's it's wonderful to see. So there are workarounds, and I, I don't have tomato plants yet, but I, I hope to. And you know, I hope that this spring I will get so many of these other things growing, and that will just be wonderful. You know, to not have to run out and worry about food for me. Yeah. You know, because my yeah. you know they, I have so much for Richard and for Morella, all these different meats and frozen things that they're covered but uh, you know my stuff is hard when you try to do fresh
1: Right Well that's uh, encouraging I think we should uh, take a break now on this positive note and <laughs> uh, when we come back we'll look more into the homeopathical principle because I always be wanting to discuss this with an expert Yeah So stay tuned people